If someone doesn't have your core values, I wanna make it clear that it doesn't make that person bad or wrong, okay? It doesn't. This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insider Podcast, where we take a look at what is changing in the pest and lawn industries, and we take you to the front lines to those that are driving those changes. As always, I'm Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Home Services, which has the two wonderful companies, Triangle Pest Control, as well as Triangle Lawn Care. And with me, as always, is on a fresh Monday morning, Mr. Dan Gord. Dan, would you like to say good morning, introduce yourself, introduce our topic and our sponsors and our very special guests. Got that? Good morning. Uh, it's Dan Gordon from PCO Bookkeepers and M&A Specialists. We do accounting and exit planning services for the pest and lawn care industry. And uh, you may have heard, uh, you obviously have heard if you've heard this uh, podcast for the past many, many weeks, we've expanded our offerings into peer groups in partnership with industry veteran David Billingsley. And uh, he has already run several of those groups, and we are getting some amazing feedback. To learn more, go back and listen to episode 136 or visit pmpinsider.com backslash peer groups. Also, we would love for you to consider uh, working with our sponsors or contacting them if you need marketing services. It's Colmarch by Workwave. You can visit them at colmarch.com. And if for your insurance needs, there is PestSure, industry-specific uh, insurance, general liability, workers' comp, auto, et cetera, et cetera. That's pestsure.com. And today, this is going to be a great topic because we've been at our company have been implementing this for a while, but have not got to this portion, not only because we're self-implementing, we're going to talk about the people component of EOS and what you need to know. Now, I need to tell you that Donnie is like a, a, a big spoiled kid, right? Because what he does is if he likes to fly, he buys an airplane. If he wants to implement EOS, he brings an EOS person in and puts her on staff. And uh -huh. so... Oh. We are going to be interviewing his EOS person, but uh, our friend. Uh, uh, so um, we are going to be interviewing Sharon Robeck, and she's been in the pest control industry. Hey, for hang on, hang on. I got, I got to stop it there. Decade. Did I mispronounce it? No, no. Sharon has had a life event, and she is no longer Sharon Robeck. No, I'm Sharon McBride. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> so wow. just to click, so you can continue on, continue on. No, Go no, ahead. no, no. I want to hear this. She didn't get divorced, did she? No, oh, she I got, got married. married. She went to the opposite ah, way. Yes, yes. Okay. She went to the opposite There way. I go being negative. Uh, yes, yes. I see, I see. So I, that was just a joke, a bad, a bad, uh, a bad joke. <laughs> so anyway, so. So Sharon has uh, joined Donnie at Triangle uh, over a year ago. Actually, I think you're in your second year, right? And um, and has been helping implement the EOS operating system. EOS is one of her favorite tools to uh, fuel growth, consistency, and organization. And she has seen it work for many companies firsthand. If you want to go back to episode 116, she did. Uh, she was on the podcast and we did field report in episode 20. Um, how to lead your business to the next level. And what I would say is that, you know, EOS is, we talk about it all the time, 
our firm, we've implemented EOS with, uh, you know, meetings. We run great meetings. Now it's time for the next step. So I can't be more happy to discuss the people topic of mm. uh, EOS. And anyway, I will keep quiet, but welcome, Sharon. Thank you. Well, first and foremost, this introduction is way humble and it in no way reflects how talented Sharon is. And I just want to take a moment to say how grateful I am to have her on staff. Um, she has done a lot more than EOS. She's made a huge impact at Triangle. And her background is way more than this, which I'm surprised I didn't make it to her bio, but she has a ton of experience. Since you wrote her bio. Yeah, yeah, it's a little it's a little light and a little humble, but there's a lot more behind the curtain than, than what was said. And, and I think we're going to have a great episode with this. And so, Sharon, thank you for joining us. And Dan, I don't know where that spoiled thing came from, but, you know, that's OK. We'll just roll with it this morning. I'll just let it go. And just a minor correction. You said PNP and uh, PNP Insider dot com. It's PNP Industry Insider dot com for oh, our sorry. listeners. So now that I'm done beating up on Dan, let's get into this. Let's make it now useful that, for so, our. So Donnie's like the mop up operation after I do my thing each time. So, yeah. So Sharon, we are going to cover what I consider to be one of the most important parts of the US. Also, one of the most difficult parts of the U.S. And I will start this segment with a quick story. I may have shared it on the podcast before. And if I have, you can email me and tell me that I'm acting like grandpa and it's perfectly fine. But years ago, I gave a presentation at NPMA and it was on profit, actually. It was on like, how do you make profit and what do you need to do? And then getting efficiencies in your business and stuff like that. And, and I spent a ton of time on the presentation. I think it's like one of my first ones that I did at Paris World. And so, I mean, I spent months preparing. And so it was tight. I mean, it was good. I had a lot of good references and stuff like that. I get done with the presentation and there's like a line of folks to talk to me afterwards. And this one guy comes up to me and he's going on and on and on and on and on about his office manager. She does this, she does this, she does this, she does this and doesn't do that. And, I have to, and she's constantly working against me. But I'm like, dude, just what are you going to do? Get rid of her. And he's like, well, I can't do that. And I'm like, well, I can't help you. There's nothing that I just said. If you can't affect any change with her, then everything we just talked about and all your problems are not going to go away. So that was a case where the wrong person in the wrong seat was absolutely stifling business growth. And if there's one thing that I'm very aware of is that a lot of owners are loyal almost to a fault. And this is a very difficult part of EOS. And if you're truly committed it will absolutely change your business. But don't think that it's all rosy sunshine and, you know, rainbow ponies. It is not that way at all. It's in fact, it's, it's quite the disciplined effort, but it's well worth it in the end. So Miss Sharon, let's talk a little bit about um, getting the right person, big picture and, and really this whole people component. And maybe that, maybe the place to start is just kind of go through big picture what exactly the people component is in traction and what its goal is. Does that make sense? Sure. Sure. So the people component, well, good morning. Good morning, Dan and Donnie. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Donnie, I am also extremely um, happy to be working at Triangle and working with you. It's been really great to learn from you and to be able to work alongside you. So just let me add that shameless plug there. And I, I don't know about spoiled. I would, I would say that what you did was pretty smart. Just you know, bringing in somebody that's EOS implementers, uh, you kind of got a twofer. So I think a twofer. That's, that's a good. That's by a by the way, if you have if you have a, a friend or a sister or something who's doing the same thing, I'd love to interview. <laughs> you got a bogo if I would get one. But anyways, 
Everyone, uh, if you're familiar with EOS, you know that EOS runs on six key components and the people component is um, one of the most important ones. I think uh, most EOS implementers will argue that they're all equally important, but we all know that without people, we can't run our companies. So um, the people component is very important. The the best thing about EOS, in my opinion, is it's very, very simple. The book doesn't go into like a lot of overly detailed um, fluffiness on all of the components. It's just pretty straightforward. The um, The interesting thing that I've learned over the course of my life is simple does not always equal easy. So there's that, there's that conundrum as well. But the people component is a lot of what Donnie's already mentioned this morning, right person, right seat, um, finding someone that fits your core values, um, they have the um, desire and drive to do the job correctly, which is what we've referred to as GWC, which stands for get it, want it, have the capacity to do it. Um, and then, you know, abiding by um, some some pretty disciplined rules of um, analyzing those people on a quarterly basis, make, making sure that they're walking in their unique abilities um, and able to add to the organization. So I know I talked about a lot there in a brief time, so we can kind of drill down into each one, starting at the beginning about how to find the right people. And then if you've inherited some people, how to how to get them situated to where they're in the right seat. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, one of the things that really attracted me to traction was, oh, that's a lot of traction in there. So one of the things I was really drawn to in traction was, this whole idea of culture, right? We talk about culture all the time and you hear it in all these books and people are throwing it out. It's a really big buzzword. The book Traction was the first book I ever read that really walked through, this is a system for creating the culture that is aligned with your core values. And they have a few formulas in there. One of them is, is core values plus people analyzer equals the right people. Meaning that you could have people who have the same core values, but they don't have the whole get it, want it, or capacity that's not going to equal right people. And likewise, you could have someone who's very, very talented, don't have the core values, that doesn't equal the right people. And so so anyway, it was one of these things where it it's a system for creating a culture that is aligned with what your values are, as well as a system for making it so it's clear that this person you know, gets it, they want it, and they have the capacity to do it. And the thing I love about it is that it's a system that is analyzed quarterly because that changes. I mean, one of the most difficult things that I have done as a business owner and I've seen is as we grow, you know, the business is growing at one speed and maybe a person in this seat is going at a different speed. And over time, what happens is the business overtakes that person. And if you don't have some system in place that reevaluates later on, you can really get yourself in a bad spot. Now, I know none of our listeners, nor you, Dan, have ever been in that position, but I've been in it many times. And when when you when you really sit down and 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 look at like how simple this is, it's a great system and and it has absolutely transformed our culture here at Triangle. Um, Sharon, can you just talk a little bit about before you go? It's interesting because of the culture thing. If you think you've got a great culture because everybody gets along and goes to happy hour and everything else, that is not a great culture. It could be a great culture, right? But getting the work done—that's all you know. And and, and so sometimes. Uh, you know, you might have the greatest person in the world, but they're not keeping up with your growth. And I think that that's what you just well, I uh, think, address. I think the culture too is like, okay, so I do want people to get along and I want them to have a great time and I want them to be friends. But at the same time, we're running the business and I want them to perform. 
right? Exactly. So there's there's both, right? There's this, okay, the people are really aligned. They have the same core values and they're really, really performing in their roles. Um, so, so coming back to you, Sharon, I wanted to talk a little bit about, can you just talk a little bit about this formula of core values plus the people analyzer and then finishing it out with right people? Can you just briefly mention sure. what that is and what it's about? Absolutely. So starting with your core values, I assume that you would have core values. If you don't have core values as an organization, you need to get some and, and there's a process in the book for that. So once you have your core values set up, you want to hire, fire, review, and reward based on your core values. Um, when you post a job listing, all of the qualifications that it takes to do that job, I call permission to play, which means if you don't, if you can't do the job, then I'm not even interested in talking to you if you don't have the qualifications. But beyond that, as a company, you want to hire, fire, review, and reward based on your core values because um, that's what helps people fit into your culture, and that's a big piece of the right person component. So uh, once you know that this person has your core values and they have what permission to play, meaning they're qualified to do the job, you want to move on to the people analyzer, which is GWC. So let's start with get it. This is simply it is someone who gets it. A little bit hard to define. But I know that you all know what I'm talking about when you run into those people that they just get it. Maybe they get you, right? Oh, they just get me. Or maybe they get what you're talking about where they relate to every single thing that you're saying. So what it simply means is that they truly understand the role. They get the role, they get the culture, they get the systems in place to um, function in that role, and they get the pace of how that role moves. Some roles move at a very quick pace, right? And some roles do not. So getting it is, is just an understanding of the role as a whole, not just one piece of it, but like every component of it, how it works, what is required to do it. So that's the first one, get it. Let me just, uh, before, can you just do a couple of examples of core values instead of going back to the book? Because I was talking to somebody yesterday about core values and they were telling me, oh, my core values. And what she was saying is all our ethics. Our ethics may be part of it, but what are, what, what's the, an example of core values? So ours are go rise. So, you know, that it's an acronym for, for growth, ownership, respect, integrity, service, and excellence, right? So those are our core values. If you don't have core values as a company, there is a way in the book that you can set them up. And that's to get the leadership team together and think of a person in the organization that you want to clone that you couldn't live without that's really um, made some, some great strides in the organization. And you write down all of the things about that person that you admire, right? Like maybe they're driven, maybe they're humble, maybe they're uh, maybe their acts of service are outstanding, all of those things. And that's how you kind of come up with some core values as a company. You really want to try not to just pull them out of a hat because you want them to fit your culture. Um, maybe some of them are fun, right? Like some organizations like Zappos and, and those bigger you know, organizations that really create an environment of fun. That's an important core value to them. So you want to create them first. Really, it really should speak to who you are as a company, how you operate. Um, so if you don't have those core values, you definitely want to look into creating some. And if you run on EOS every year, you, your executive or leadership team has a two-day planning session where you go over the core values and they might change, right? You might pick them in the beginning of your journey and then decide, 
we kind of missed it here. This really isn't important to us. We thought it was, but it's not. So it's okay to change them, especially within the first two or three years that you're implementing EOS. You want to reevaluate them and say, does this really represent who we are as a company? I know that Triangle um, added some uh, core values before I came. We started with just rise and then we add we added go um, to the go rise. So you can change them, right? So that's a good a good way to look at it. Can, can I that just add something question? real quick? Hmm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, and one thing I want to add to that is, for me, I love how different, I mean, we have we have technicians, we have people who work in the office, we have managers, we have so many different people, right? And, and, and I love the diversity that we have at Triangle. And I, I mean, and I think any company, you really need to have a very diverse workforce. Now, this is not some like, I'm not talking, make sure you understand what I'm saying. When I say diversity, I'm talking about like different backgrounds, different experiences, different everything, right? Because I think it adds, but I will say this, really, when you're thinking about core values, that to me is the key that connects us all. And that's not the piece that I'm willing to bend on that. I don't want diversity in that regard, meaning that you can have tons and tons of values, but if you don't have our core values, you don't belong. You, this is not going to be a place for you long-term. Like if you're not into growth, if you're not into owning your stuff, like owning both the good and the bad, like I guess, I guess my point here is, and I say this in meetings all the time, and I'm sure Sharon will probably roll her eyes when I say this, not in a bad way, but she knows that I say it a lot, which is we're all different and that's fantastic, but this is what connects us all, which is our core values. And so to me, core values it's, it's the way to, it's a non-negotiable and it's the way that connects us all that we can all be on the same page. And the other part I would make is that it's also the key to your culture, being very, very clear of like, this is what I'm not willing to bend on. And this is what it requires. This is what it's required to be here. Because the reality of it is, is that everyone comes in with core values and if they're not aligned and they're not clear and people aren't aware, your core values are going to change based on who you have. And that may or may not go the way that you want. So right. just a little addition there. But. Okay. Okay. So, so get it, want it, capacity, get it. You understand the role. You understand the culture of the company, the systems in place to do the job and the pace at which it's done. Want it is um, that you understand and want this job, um, that you put your ego out of the way and that you are willing to do what it takes uh, to do the job. It gets you out of bed in the morning. It gives you a spark um, and that you you truly, truly want to be in the position that you're in. You're using your unique ability and and you want to be in your seat. Uh, Never have I ever met a person that wants their job when you say, how's your job going? And they're like, meh, it's okay. It's great. I'm learning something new every day. I really love the seat I'm in. I'm, I'm able to use my talents to their um, fullest to my fullest abilities. All of those things are things that people say when they want the job. Okay. Yep. Then there's the capacity to do it. Um, this one I've seen go both ways. If anything, uh, on the get it wanted capacity, yes or no uh, questionnaire is if if there's a no on capacity, that is one that I am willing to work with a little bit to see if we can get there because I feel like get it and want it is just something you can't change. 
Capacity is having the mental, physical, um, and emotional capability to do the job. You understand what the job is and also the time to do the job. And this is a big one because there are certain jobs in an organization that are nine to five, 40 hours a week. You come in, you do your job, you go home. Um, there's not a lot of extra time at home required to research anything or to go above and beyond. It's just a straightforward 40 hour a week job. Um, and some people are great with that. Then there's other jobs in an organization where one way, one week might be 50 or 60 hours and one meet, one week might be 30, right? You just don't know. It's what comes up and what's required of you. So having the capacity to do a job also involves a time commitment. Are you willing to do that job? And sometimes maybe you can do it in less time than other people, which is great. So I'm not implying that it always goes towards working more. It's just when you're available, how you're available. Um, and do you have the emotional intelligence to do that job, the emotional maturity to do that job? If it's a manager's seat or a seat where you're dealing with a lot of different types of people, um, and do you have the skill, intellect, and knowledge to do that job? So capacity involves a lot. I feel like people's capacity can grow with, with good training and coaching. So it just depends. Um, but get it wanted capacity are the things that when you combine those with someone who has your core values, that's when you're really going to get into that um, pocket of right person, right seat. So Sharon, can you just run through, we just went through this. Can you just talk through a little bit about, I mean, obviously I know, you know, I know I'm not, you know, that I'm not talking about specific people, but just for our listeners, for folks who maybe or may not done traction, what does this look like? Like, when is this done? What does it look like? Maybe just walk through what we just, the exercise that we went through on our two day, you just talk through that just briefly. Yeah. So, the, so get it one capacity um, is a yes, no question. Okay. Where, where when you when you score your people on your core values, that's on a plus minus scale, which means they represent those core values most of the time. Plus minus is some of the time and minus is very rarely, right? So get a want of capacity is a yes, no. So once a quarter before you do your five, five, fives or your quarterly check-ins with your people, you really want to sit down and think about this. Do they get it? Do they want it? Do they have the capacity? And if it's not yeses across the board, it's time to dig a little bit deeper into wherever there's a no or a maybe, right? You don't even want a maybe. You want a yes, yes, yes. Now, I'm not saying that if at a quarterly review, you're thinking about an employee and one of these is a no, that doesn't mean they're gone, right? This means how do I, what am I going to do to help this person get better in this particular category? Maybe there's something going on in their life personally that's bogging them down. Maybe there's something going on at work that's bogging them down. All of these things can be analyzed before you do the 555 check-in or what people would refer to as a quarterly check-in, which is why these quarterly check-ins are so, so important. It gives you time to have a conversation with your direct reports to see where they are, to see where they are personally, to see where they are professionally. So as you're going through your year and you're checking in with your people quarterly, this is the time to ask them questions, see where they are. It might not always be a bad thing. Maybe the the get it or the want it part is starting to wane and maybe it's because they're bored in their seat, right? Uh, Donnie talked about the organization 
um, outgrowing people, but people can outgrow their seats, right? So if they're using all of their abilities every day and they're not feeling challenged anymore, um, then it's time to reevaluate. Now, having said that, that doesn't always look like an instant promotion, which is what a lot of managers get stuck in this track of, oh, they've done everything they can do in their job. They need a promotion. I don't have one. They're going to move on. You can expand their role, give them more responsibilities in traction. That's called delegate and elevate. And what that means is you're going to delegate some of your roles to this person and it's going to elevate them. It's going to make them feel like they're making a difference. They're using more of their skill set and roles can expand and change. So when you're analyzing your folks every 90 days, keep in mind um, that it all works together and to get that feedback from them of what's going on to help them get all yeses on the people analyzer. Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing I would add to what you said there, Sharon, is, and for our listeners, just to get a real clear picture of what this looks like. We literally put up people on on a on a in a spreadsheet and and across the columns get it one at capacity and it's yes or no and I put it so that each person who was in this meeting like we put our own and you review that and and you know at the end of the day if someone is let's just say they have a no for whatever reason Sharon brought up some really good points it, you know the real question is is why. Is it that they're outgrowing the role? Is it the role's outgrowing them? Is there something personally going on? But but ultimately, it's going to come down to a decision. If someone has a no, there's something going on with capacity or whatever. In, in traction, they talk about coaching up or coaching out, meaning that we have to get them there. You can't sit there and just look at it, which this is one of the beauty of the, of the system that I love is number one, you're evaluating it quarterly. But number two, there needs to be some sort of follow-up from that. I mean, I'm sure Dan has never done this and nor have any of our listeners, but you know, you've got someone in a role and you know, they're not really performing and you don't really do anything about it. You know what I mean? You just kind of let it go No, you're, and you kind of, you kind of nice people and you're, yeah, you, you kind of hope it fixes itself, yeah. <laughs> right? Somehow magically right. it's just going to go away. Well, yep. this coach up versus coach out it very, I mean, first of all, foremost, it, it puts it front and center. Like, this needs to change. Something here needs to change. And so it, it makes it clear for you. It makes it clear for the person. And ultimately, it's better for the business because now the business is not going to struggle because, of, you know, someone doesn't have the capacity or someone's not really into it or maybe the role needs to change. And so it's it's a system that keeps things moving for the business. And I think it's really important, this whole idea of coach up versus coaching out. You have to take some sort of action at the end of this. Having a no is not okay. Right. So, Having so Sharon, just uh, as a so, you know, obviously your uh, direct reports, you would do the yes, no or um, maybe. And uh, but yes, no only or you don't do the uh, yes. We don't do maybe. maybe that's for the core values is plus right, minus okay. like some of the okay. time except that core value, some of the time. Right. OK, yeah, no. but do you allow the person to do a yes, no? Like so that they're they're they're. Uh, leader or their their boss or you know they do the yes or no but do you then ask the the uh, particular person hey what do you think are you a yes no or you don't even go there? well I t- if they're a no i mean i do go over that with them in their in their check-in you know hey you're doing great on get it want a capacity i really appreciate i'll give specific examples Here's the time that you went above and beyond. I know you really want it. You're really working hard. Here's the ways how. If I if I have a no, I'll I'll just say, hey, I feel like lately you're kind of 
not wanting to be here. Your attendance is waning. Um, you know, you're you're not as enthusiastic as you used to be. Is something going on? So I don't have them fill it out, but I will bring up a section of that I feel they're not doing well and and, see, and get their feedback. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, Dan mentioned something that he wanted to talk about, and we're not at the end, but I want to make sure that we have enough time to to discuss it. And it's kind of a good time to discuss it because we're talking about coaching up versus coaching out. First, before okay. we get into coaching out, let's talk about coaching up. And and Sharon, can you just spend a little bit of time of like what this looks like? Let's just say you go through the process, you get on your GWC, and there's a no, and now there's time to take action with this person. We obviously, I mean, listen, it's a lot to to swap out people. It's 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 almost like finding gold to find people who share your core values. Let's assume this person's in that role. Let's assume they have the core values. And this is someone that we feel like they're worth investing. Everyone's worth investing in, but they, you know, they're worth investing. We want to coach them up. Can we just talk a little bit about what that is? And then I want to get to this concept of 36 hours of pain, because that's what, that's what um, Dan wanted to talk about. So <laughs> let's start there first. <laughs> okay. Well, coaching up it's, is probably a whole podcast by itself, but I'll try to be really brief. So it starts with, well, it starts with relationship, right? That's where it starts. If you don't have a relationship with your direct reports, you're, you're not going to be able to coach them anywhere, right? Because they're not going to trust you. They're not going to listen to you. So these 555 check-ins and getting to know people personally, so you can challenge directly, which is a line from Radical Candor, which is a great book mm -hmm. uh, by Kim Scott. It, it teaches you how to build these relationships with people so that they trust you so that when you sit across the table from them having coffee, doing a check-in and you say, hey, I don't, I feel like something's going on in this certain area. Um, is everything okay? And then they can share with you. No, it's not. I'm, I'm going through a divorce or um, my husband was diagnosed with Ill, an illness or something that you would never dream of, right? So those are one-off situations where you can maybe say, okay, let's make some adjustments and let's get you through this tough time because you don't want to lose those people. Or maybe it's just, hey, I'm discouraged. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. I've been working um, to, to fix all of these things and it, it just seems to keep, uh, I keep, keep, can't, keep, can't reach my goal. I, as hard as I try, I'm not getting my numbers. What do you think's going on? That's an opportunity for you as a leader to step in and say, well, let's really dig deep here and see, because maybe they have a people problem on their team that they can't recognize. Because ultimately, your team is a direct reflection of you. So you have to sit back and ask yourself, mm -hmm. what part of this is my responsibility and what part of this is their team's responsibility? So you just kind of dig down and help them find the root I find that if you find the root cause of what is going on and fix it at that level, you'll stop having to put band-aids on everything, right? Because it's like, oh, this isn't working. Let's slap a band-aid on it. Let's find out what's really going on and then help them as their leader be the best leader they can be to bring their people up to the next level. Sometimes that looks like a, a new 30, 60, 90-day plan, right? Of, hey, we're going to focus on this one thing. For the next 30 days and then you check in with them and help them give them some practical tools to get their sales numbers up give them a book to read maybe it's a webinar anything that you can do to encourage them to renew their excitement for their position or expand their skill set is the best way to coach someone up that wants to be right yeah. then there's those people who don't want to be coached up and you'll recognize those people right away they're full of excuses of reasons why they can't do it 
And, and that's when you just hit a brick wall, right? And you have to say, well, then if, if you don't want to take any of the solutions that I'm offering, then maybe it's time for you to move on. Yeah. Yeah. And that brings me to the second point, which is, listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, man, this people component sounds great and growing is awesome. This is exactly what I want to do. This is such so aligned with where I'm going to go. Let me just throw a little cold water on your enthusiasm. Going through this process and doing it right at times can be brutal. Like you have to be careful what you wish for, because the fact of the matter is, is that if you want to grow, you've got to understand that not everyone wants to grow and not everyone's going to be able to keep up and not everyone can stay in the same seat forever. So what does that mean? That means that you like someone and you just keep them around because you like them. That's destructive and you're doing a disservice to your company. And, and to, to them. In, and to them. That's you don't exactly like them. Right. You're keeping right. them. If you're keeping them around because you like them, you do not like them. You well, are holding a, them back in their career. If you, you really liked, are. you would have the hard conversation that said, you're not going to grow here. You're never going to be a manager here. I like you enough to tell you, let's find you a spot where you can excel. You brought me to a really good point that I forgot to mention earlier about core values. This is my favorite thing about uh, core values. Is that would be coaching out, right? That would be coaching out. <laughs> core values are what they are. And listen, if someone doesn't have your core values, I want to make it clear that it doesn't make that person bad or wrong. Okay. It doesn't. They right. just don't have the same core values as you and that's okay. And they usually weed themselves out because it's uncomfortable to be in a culture that does not match your core values. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't yep. feel right. But I do want to make the point that that doesn't make them a bad person or that they're wrong and you're right. It just is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And you just got to deal with it. I, I, I think the main point here is that when we talk about this idea, the fact of the matter is, is that people really excel when they add value and people must add value to the business. They feel better. The business will better. I mean, just everything is much, much better. But the fact of the matter is, is that to the degree that people in the right seats, everyone is going to be happier, especially that person. And it's up to you as a leader to make those hard calls. Everyone wants to be a manager until it's time to do what managers do. Everyone wants to be a leader until it's time to do what leaders do. And so this whole idea of 36 hours of pain is when you have a real conversation with yourself and with this person, and you have to make a change. When you have the wrong person in the wrong seat, you need to make a change in the organization. It sucks, right, to do this. And that's why I said, like, you know, be careful what you wish for, because the fact is, is that if you're truly committed to this, it is going to put you in a place where you have to make uncomfortable decisions and you have to have the discipline and the commitment to follow through and to walk through the 36 hours of pain. Because the fact is, I can think of several times where we had to make a really hard call and it sucked. There were tears, there was whatever. And I mean, but after 36 hours, you're like, my gosh, I should have done that a long time ago. So, so a lot of different- So wait a minute. So, so give the, the, the definition of the actual 36 okay. hours. So yeah. Let me give you the definition. Yes. Why did that come about? As a so it's, it's just a story from, from Traction where a gentleman's talking about how he had a leader that he let stay in his organization probably a year or two long, right? Recognized that it was going to not working and maybe let him stay about a year or two long. So you can divvy that 36 hours up any way you want. And over the course of my career and working with uh, owners, we've joked about it. Sometimes 
sometimes it's really hard. And sometimes we're like, oh, that was 72 hours of pain. And sometimes we're like, oh, that was eight hours of pain, right? So hours of pain is just an example. And it's usually split into three sections. So like there's the 12 hours leading up to the point where you've made your decision. You know, this is not the right person for this seat. You know, they don't get it wanted or have the capacity. Maybe they don't share your core values, whatever the reason is. This 12 hours leading up to that decision, right? And then there's the 12 hours when the decision is made. With, with that person, for that person, and then 12 hours after. You can divvy that up any way you want. Sometimes the 36 hours is all after. Sometimes it's all leading up. Sometimes it's not even 36 hours. Most of the time in an organization, when someone is glaringly in the wrong seat, you're worried about what the rest of the organization will think. Will it bring down morale? What's going to happen? Everyone loves this person. 90% of the time, I'd even be willing to say 95% of the time, if you are really coaching out someone who is definitely in the wrong seat, the rest of the organization will say, what took you so long? Or, I've often said, I mean, just, I didn't you. mean to interrupt you there, Sharon, but I mean, I've often said that if there's someone that's in the wrong seat, and everyone knows it, and you don't take action as a leader, there's truly only two conclusions that they can come to about you as the leader. Number one, you're too stupid to see what's really going on. Or number two, you're too weak to do something about it. That's the God honest truth. Well, maybe you have some compassion, but, but, uh, but I mean, it's the truth, right? But, but, but here's the thing, right? So what happens, you know, you say, okay, well, I'm going to, uh, uh, coach this guy or this gal out. Right. And, you know, they're a very nice person or what if that you, you know, they do have a skill set, but maybe they're not right for your organization. And you think, you know, in your mind, oh, my gosh, they're going to leave us and they're going to go to a competitor and, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, take up where they left off here. And I've often thought about, well, if they couldn't do it here, what makes me think that they're going to do it there? But have you have you thought about that? What what? Because uh, a lot of people do think about that. I write him a reference letter. I'll, I'll yes. write him a letter. I'll take a phone call. Anything. Exactly. I yes. have sat in my office and said, I'm so sorry that we have to part ways. I am happy to help you find a new job if there's anything I can do. And then sometimes I'll come across someone like, oh, this person would be great for so-and-so. And I'll call them and I'll say, have you found a job yet? Because I have a lead for you. It doesn't have to be a nasty, you're fired, get out of here type of situation. Now, there's times you can't avoid that, and people are going to take it that way if that's the way they want to take it. But if it's done correctly over the course of time with helping them recognize that they're in the wrong seat and some compassion, it it is definitely, I will help them find another job. I don't want them to fail. They're just in the wrong seat or maybe the wrong organization or the wrong industry or whatever, right? But you mentioned a couple of seconds ago, Dan, you said, or maybe you just have some compassion. And I really want to get back to the point of when you let someone go that's in the wrong seat, that is an act of compassion. I, I want to make that clear because too often people are like, oh, they're ruthless. They fired me. They have no heart. If you are in an organization that leads by their core values and is is leading with EOS, it's absolutely the opposite. It means that you have enough compassion to have the hard conversation with them that's going to help them do better in the long run because they're not succeeding here and you want them to succeed. You really have to care about people. I mean, you really have to care about them. And sometimes, I mean, it's like being a parent, right? Love doesn't always look like, well, you can have candy you know, and ice cream all day long. It doesn't look that way. And so, I mean, I think that's a key part. Okay. We have burnt through all of our time. 
there was a huge outline that we had. I think we got through <laughs> about 10% of it, maybe 15. Um, but Sharon, I just want to say thank you for coming on. This has been a great conversation. Dan, did you get out of this what you were looking for in terms of the people? I'm going to have actually everyone on in my team. We, we have a terrific team and uh, every, you know it all, all goes well. But you kind of wonder, you know, okay, what's the next step with this traction thing? And, uh, uh, you know, we're co- you know I, I think that we need to develop our coaching up as opposed to coaching out. We don't really have too many team members who are coaching out, but it's kind of like, okay, what's the next step uh in this this whole traction process so i have and i'm really Dan. thankful a- yeah, implementer yeah. is the next step yeah 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 well i'm gonna hire sharon and uh, <laughs> so. yeah with all her extra time not happening yes. uh, all right so well you know well, well getting see. back to that sharon again thank you for joining us it's been fantastic and again always fun working with sharon and, and i will tell you for folks that are listening everything she said is the real deal it's not shown up just for the podcast it is absolutely the real deal and if you've not if you've not implemented eos i would highly recommend or if you've not read it i would highly recommend that you read the book i would highly recommend that you do a lot of research it's absolutely transformed our business i've seen it transform other businesses in fact i was talking to a guy in one of my groups and and his job is he goes around and buys companies and and flips them and those types of things and he said to me he goes we don't even present an LOI unless the company's running on EOS. So it is a very common thing. It's not just to our industry. I think it's a very, a very simple and a very effective way to run your business. So if you, if you've not done that, highly recommend you do it. If you are doing it, hopefully this podcast was helpful. And with that, we're going to sign off just a reminder that all the resources and topics that we talked about today are on the podcast website, pmpindustryinsider.com. Just take a look under show notes. And we always appreciate any ratings and reviews unless they're complaints. And if those are if you if you have those, we ask that you direct those at Dan. And with that, we're out. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> See you next time. All right. <laughs> Thank you.